0: The Koi gig I think all
1: the concerns that we have obviously being that middle tier are very valid considering just how much we benefited from playing teams of a higher calibre going into our qualifiers
0: Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball
2: With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us now then, you're welcome along. Very able to say, Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent here in studio. You're very welcome. Thanks, nice, Joe. Good to see you. Grand Slam winner Gordon Darcy is on the line evening. Good evening, gents. How are you? Very well. One of those days where there's lots of things going on. So, for instance, news has come through that Kieran Frawley is injured for months, not weeks, which is the last thing he needs. Robbie Henshaw and Joey Carberry out of the Australia match. Andy Friend is going to leave Connacht at the end of the season. We felt that was uh, coming, but it's been confirmed now. And then in terms of the game on Saturday, the likes of Sexton, Ryan Porter, van der Fleer, Hugo Keenan, all uh, looking good after... Knox. So there have been things going on. You've been uh, updating the Irish Independent website, I would think.
0: Yeah, pretty much non-stop all day. And Albert Tuasui has been cited as well, which is no surprise after his attempted decapitation on Joey Carberry. Surprise to Vern Cotter? Yeah, well, yeah, he's... Well, it'd be interesting to see if they fight it and if they back up Vern Cotter and try and defend them because, I mean, it's pretty much indefensible to me. Um, and it's obviously made a very big impact on Joey Carberry's uh, chances. I, I had a sense that they might play Carberry this week and put Johnny on the bench and bring him on for the last 20 minutes to give him a still really the last opening that was there until the World Cup maybe Italy away but I mean Italy are looking pretty good at the moment so mm. that was a bit of a that that's a, a a blow again door opens for Jack Crowley who'll be on the bench I mean we think Sexton will be fit but just by the end of the fact that you know they haven't called up a third out half so unless they're going to put Mac Hansen or Mike Larry on the bench to back up yeah. um, Jack Crowley which seems very unlikely so no it's been a an interestingly busy day At, at the onset of it. Even though Australia Are not the greatest team In the world right now I, do, I think this fixture Has a bit of magic to it I think Ireland Australia Always carries weight I, I really like I, the, the, It's always a good um, matchup, up And um, the fact that They're a bit desperate Coming into this as well Doesn't do it any harm And if it lives up to Their
2: performance in Paris A couple of weeks ago Then it will be just fine On Saturday evening Gordon-Andre Carbery. this is just so unfortunate and at times his physicality and his size has been questioned at international level, but frankly if Albert Tuisui comes at your head, it doesn't matter what size you are, you're in big trouble. He has been cited. Vern Cotter afterwards seemed to say with a straight face, was there foul play? What's the question? Is there a head? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, like, he didn't really cover himself in, in, in glory there, so I suppose that the lots of positives that he has brought to this Fijian team. You kinda like you give him with one hand and take it away with two hands when you make kind of lazy comments like that. Like he hasn't gotten like he's left a field for everyone to see he's got the shoulder into the head. Very, very no effort to dip at the at the hips. Like you know, and Joey Carberry goes back to his thing. Like, at what point do we start, do we, you know, the head injury that Joey Carberry is, uh, has, has suffered is going to keep him out of the game for a number of weeks. Um, and, like, at what point do we just kind of, do you, do you just lose kind of lose a bit of faith with, uh, with players? Like, it's not hard. It's just bend at the hips. They're giving you as much. If that had happened as he's bent at the hips and he's done everything he can possibly can for a big man to get low and is there... You can you can maybe take that as a collision with the head, but there's just yeah, defending the indefensible, and it's stupidly and Cotter, I don't, I can't, I can't get my head around it to be honest. Mm.
2: The decision to play Robbie Henshaw, Rory, I think,
0: evidently wrong. Don't don't rush a hamstring. Yeah, and and. For this fixture in particular because this was a week where Ireland had scope to rotate against the team that they were fully expected to beat he, he named a very strong team and I don't think it would have uh, diminished the team you know, the chances of winning very much by playing Jimmy O'Brien who played very well at 13 the previous week or even bringing James Hume in Like clearly there's a message being sent to James Hume and Gavin Coombs who were both dropped from the squad that their performance against the All Blacks A wasn't good enough or the All Blacks 15 but the look I I wasn't in camp last week, I wasn't there for the medical reports about Robbie Henshaw, they they had all the information, they trained him, we don't know what level he trained, but you would presume they wouldn't have risked him if they believed there was any chance he was going to pull up after two or three minutes, but it you know, it, it has, and, and now he's going to miss the Australia game, which you think he would have been, You know this would have been a, a, a bigger game to be included for, albeit Bundyaki's back this week, so that that lessens the blow to some degree as well. Um it's a, it's a worry that it's, it's, it's happened, and it's a worry that they, they, they pressed them into service for this game, and they felt like they had to because. Um, they shouldn't need him to be Fiji because they're, you know, and, and the, the performance wasn't particularly good on on Saturday. It probably didn't help that they had that disruption behind the scrum. But he's a really important player for Ireland and, mm. you know, you really want to well, be isn't fit that for why they
1: wanted to? Isn't that why they wanted to get him back? You know, you, you go through all those things. Like I've just taken back to when myself and Brian went to Poland. Mm. We both had hamstring injuries and we both trained the following week. And... Uh, I popped mine in training again, and he went on and played. You know, eighty minutes was absolutely fine. Um, you, the player wants to play; he absolutely wants to play. I know you're saying, "Is I think there's an unfortunate hindsight bias on this." He wants to play. It's a perfect game for him to play if he's fit. He hits all the markers during the week, and sometimes you're just, you know, it's just brutally, it's just brutally unlucky. Um, and actually, obviously, for the, for the player, obviously he, it's it's devastating for him. we really started to look at the injury toll. Lining up for Leinster now and going okay with this, they're they're going to be struggling for a couple of weeks post this uh, this series.
0: Mm. Absolutely, yeah, because they're they're light at twelve with Frawley gone as well. So that's a oh, big, big, yeah, big risk for them, you know, because they well. they've you know racing in a couple of weeks in the in the first game of the European Cup, and that's and they're not in an easy pool this year. So that's it is going to you know it's going to strain them to some degree. To the game itself, then thirty-five seventeen, the result.
2: Uh, bar for the opening minutes was never really in doubt, and even then, not much in doubt. Underwhelming, flat, stop, start. These are the main adjectives about this one, Gordon. uh, It's interesting, like, I must say, uh, watching it, I found it very hard to be overly... Concerned or in any way disappointed, I I do buy into the fact that this is a scratch side. I do buy into the fact that it's hard to get yourself up for a one o'clock kickoff for a game that you know you're going to win. And actually, the the jolt was almost Andy Farrell's post match interview where he came on pretty much fuming with the performance.
1: Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't take any of that. Um, you know, getting yourself up for a one o'clock kickoff, but but like that's that doesn't need, that, that that shouldn't even be in this conversation. You know, you are representing your country for the majority of those players. This was their opportunity to shine. And most of them were well off the pace.
2: Mm. Um, I understand the theory. I agree with you on the theory. Absolutely. You should be up for a game. I'm just talking about the human reality. I haven't seen a one o'clock kickoff where things have really sparked in a very long time. There is a human nature aspect to this where we have to be fair, no? Or do you think it was just that bad?
1: No, no it's like I think that like individually, most players didn't didn't play particularly bad. Um, just there was no, um, but I think, and that is a reflection of uh, possibly the gap between, say, the I suppose the reality that w- happened with against New Zealand uh, second fifteen and say our next layer in, in depth and a few of these guys were getting a, an opportunity. So individually, they're able to um, to do okay, but there's no. Um, Greater sum of the parts, you know. There's no nobody on the field was able to um, generate uh, momentum for the Irish team. The one thing they needed to do was to get over the gain line somehow. Um, instead, we ended up just kind of running into big Fijians and relying on their interlimb to get our to get our any sort of uh, territory in the in, in the game. And then it's then th- that's the bit. where I it on the on the field problem solving was quite was was missing, um, and I don't know where that comes from or where that you know without having had spent too long looking at it I think that was a big criticism for the the Fijian defence while it was erratic and chaotic in some places it was their, their tackling was very good and Ireland really struggled to deal with that.
0: Mm. Rory I am perhaps being too forgiving here. I, I think you're right I think Andy Farrell kind of Turned it on its head because even in the post-match press conference, people were asking him about that one o'clock kick-off. And I think what Andy and, and Gordon have in common is that they played at the elite level for an awful long time. And, and what, like Andy Farrell was Man of Steel twice in rugby league. He's however many professional appearances, and he played for Wigan at all times of the day and wouldn't didn't let his standards drop. And when he looks at the Ireland dressing room, I think what he sees is the likes of Johnny Sexton, Peter O'Mahony, Keith Earls when he's there. Um, Ian Henderson was another that he name-checked. Um, these are players that never let their standards drop below a 7.5 or, or an 8. And what he's seeing from the next batch in is that they haven't learned that that's part of being an, an elite-level uh, professional across a career. And This is the, number, the world's number one team who have beaten the All Blacks uh, three times in the last year and are now being compared to the All Blacks. And I think the All Blacks at their best, the Richie McCall Blacks from 2011 to 2015, um, would have hammered Fiji on Saturday. They would have like Ireland spent eight point two, sorry, eight minutes and three seconds in the Fiji twenty-two on Saturday. You give the All Blacks that level of access. Even now, they're going to come away with a lot more scores than Ireland, and, is and a lot of it not moles being pulled down slowly but surely and it's illegally. Due to rise above it, you can you can look. We can come up with all of the the excuses, and a lot of them are legitimate. But if you want to be considered, if, if you want to like what what Farrell's saying is that we need to be better in this. You need to find the solutions on the pitch, and he's not willing to give them the excuses. I like that about. Him. I thought his post match stuff was really um, on point. I think he set a really interesting tone during this window. I think he's been quite unforgiving of any dropping standards that All Black's A game um, was really damaging to a lot of players. Yeah. You know, he caught, he's cut caught a few of them. A few of them would have got capped in the second game against Fiji, but he, he didn't pick them for a reason. He didn't pick them because they hadn't been good enough. He's He's gone from giving away 11, given 11 debuts in 2020, 12 in 2022, sorry, 2021. He's only given six this year and he's not going to give any this weekend. So, like, the, the drawbridge has gone up mm. and his message to the players is that these guys have earned it. You haven't, I mean, and when I've given you the chance, you haven't been good enough. And mm. like that's there's a ruthlessness there that you have to kind of go. Well, that, this guy's serious about it, and he's he's doing it. And you know, he's not, he wasn't he was given out on Saturday post match, and he didn't take any of them. And I think he's hoping that that message will get through to them ahead of Australia next week. Yeah, because I sort of think back
2: the last time Ireland played Fiji in seventeen, they won by three points, and twenty eighteen turned out okay. Your former teammate Gordon Rob Carney, was saying on air afterwards that. In some respect, things are going so well that deep down they know this isn't a worrying performance. But you almost have to turn this into feeling like a defeat to shock everyone and keep everyone uh, on their toes. There's a touch of deliberate overreaction.
1: Yeah, like there will will be a little bit of this. There's also the comfort in that you know who's coming back in. Yeah. So you know Peter Manny's coming back in. You know Andrew Porter's coming back in, and I think. That is kind of what Rory is saying, is that the next guys, they're, when they have played, they've played with the the established players who, who don't allow standards to drop. When there wasn't somebody there to keep everything going, um, players started looking around as to go, oh, who's doing this? Rather than somebody going, oh, I'm going to do it. Um, and That's what they kind of needed a little bit about the weekend. Like, you know, Joey Carberry... You know, unfortunately, uh, and and Gibson Park weren't able to influence influence the game. The, I think the only time we went down the short side was when Tyg Byrne threw a pass down to uh, to Gary Ringrose late in the second half. You know, that's your second row. Who's going to go? Let's just change the point of attack here. We been very very particular. It would also just show that Ireland are very still heavily structured in how they play. And if you don't get quick ball, and you can line up defenders or attackers, you can uh, you can you can get in get in in in, in among them. I would say there's a few players there that have taken massive backward steps there as well um, and reinforcing this, uh, this notion that the strength, the, the gap between, you know, first team regulars and the, the next next cohort is, is as big as ever.
2: Mm. I wonder maybe if, Gordon, perhaps some of the frustration on Farrell's part is because this team mightn't be a million miles off a team he'll play in a World Cup pool game. And as you uh, said, the yeah. gap was apparent.
1: Yeah, but I think there's also you can you can do an awful lot with that. It's not it's not a uh, it's a skill it's not a skill based thing. It's just an attitudinal thing, you know. Um, players looking for work, and, um, and I think it's important to remember that this this change or evolution of the way they played under Andy Farrell, which you know, to get this kind of heads up unstructured rugby. Um, a lot of these players won't have a huge amount of exposure to that. Mm. So when they get the option, it is probably a shock and they're still kinda because there is a you know, I think i said before, it's the psychological safety and not making any mistakes. Um, but if you go to say the Jack Crowley thing where he kicked the ball dead, um, at least he saw the space for the fifty twenty two and he went for it. But the worst thing would have been if he hadn't seen it. Um, so you're not gonna like you're not gonna eat players' lunch just for making mistakes as long as the thought process and everything in behind is right, there just wasn't enough of, there wasn't just enough thinking, um, let alone execution at at the weekend. And for me, that was the biggest biggest disappointment. Um, There was nobody really there looking to take take the game by the scruff of the hands or the scruff of the neck and to really just go, okay, let's let's try and do something a little bit different here.
2: Yeah. The um, name I have in my head at all times when Gordon's talking there is the same name you have in your head, Rory Sexton. So tell us about Carberry and Crowley.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's a direct it doesn't have to be the 10 who does that so it like look when Johnny retires mm. the next 10 is not going to be the Johnny Sexton figure he's not going to be the spiritual leader of the team off the bat because he's going to have Joey carby we were saying before the game or before we started 37 caps everyone else only has less than 10 so it's not going to be a, an obvious transition um, to that so there's others who have to step up um, but this, for team, long this was, team are accustomed to their number 10. Johnny is the he's the tone setter he is the the standard setter across all all levels and when he's not there it's not the same when he went off after 20 minutes in the first test in New Zealand things went to pot like they were winning that game they were start they had started unbelievably well they were in control Sexton goes off and everything changed mm. um, and like it comes back to Joey Carby and it, it, it maybe is a little bit unfair on Joey Carby and we have a massive expectation of what we want from our 10 as a result and and I thought Joey Garvey was fine on Saturday. I thought he played reasonably well. He did, you know, if you look at his touches, he was he, he was he, he was tidy enough. You know, he wasn't behind a particularly dominant pack. It was a stop-start game. He was he was six or seven out of ten, and maybe he needed to be an eight or a nine. And and um, that's unfortunate on him because he's always going to be compared to, to to Johnny Sexton. This week it's going to be Jack Crowley in that position, and if Johnny goes off after ten minutes, we've got a one-cap player, lead, you know, leading the team from number ten less than nine games out from the World Cup and and this is the weird scenario that we've been in for like I, I don't know how long how many times myself and yourself have had a conversation yeah. about this very topic but it is a big concern because Johnny Sexton while he is incredibly durable and has a, an incredible ability to pitch up for, for test matches and his is. is Mentality is so strong, and it's it, it it shouldn't be like you know we talk about his injury profile a little bit, but really he's been available for nearly all of Ireland's games in the last number of years. It's very impressive. If he goes down, and look look at all the players who are getting injuries at the moment, and you know not many times many of them no fault of their own, there still is that massive question. Like Carbery, this is the first game Car- first game in sixteen that Carbery hasn't been or won't be available for Ireland. He started six of the last fifteen. He's come off the bench in the other nine. Before that, he missed fourteen in a row. Um, he has has amassed a fair bit of experience in this system. He was very good in Paris, um, in what was a defeat. But I thought he, he showed up that day, and I think the coaches have a degree of confidence in him. Um, I know New Zealand 2011 is the is the one everyone looks back to. As well, all the out halves got injured, um, it's unlikely that they'll both get injured. But I suppose how much confidence can we have in a Jack Crowley, a Kieran Frawley, a Jack Carty, Ross Burn, Billy Burns? They're all the players who've been, and Harry Burn. They're all they've all been tried in this window, and half of them, most of them, being cast off for all he's gotten injured just when it looked like he was going to be the guy Crowley's just not going to get enough Ireland minutes between now and the World Cup to be, to be sure even though he looks very very good um, it's thin it's very thin and it's a massive risk factor in this Ireland World Cup project I think and that that's you know partly because Sexton's so good and like yeah. you know if they want to beat Australia on Saturday they have to play him um, not that they can't win with Crowley but it's a massive ask for a player who's played 18 times for Munster
2: Gordon could you expand on the point you made about Carberry and Gibson Park not quite Getting Ireland into some kind of a flow or, or, or a touch more unpredictable. What were you seeing that you didn't quite like? What did you want more of from them?
1: Yeah, it's it is it's a it's a it's a very without any specific examples. You know, we I suppose just the, the just, just the 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 in, like we weren't able to get into any sort of multi-phase attack that really stressed any of the Fijian um, defense really. Um, We got to like really until the last quarter and I think at that stage the momentum was gone and Crowley came into a warm seat in a game that was won. And just as you're talking about Carberry, he has been very, very good when he's been sprung from the bench um, and has come in and has seen out games and has almost dovetailed with Johnny Sexton exceptionally well. It is a different beast when you start the game because you actually have to create the the tempo you have to create the um the environment you have to create what the feel of the game is like you know you've got to understand when you're kicking when you're running um why are you kicking are you kicking because you want to regather you're looking for you know 50 22s all this type of tactical nuance that's going through every decision in your in your head um and it just didn't seem to be there at the weekend. like you know Carberry, you know uh, you know and different characters but like you know, at some point you do have to, you know, barrel your barrel your teammates out of it and, you know, drive, drive things. Sometimes you just have to be a, like an arsehole um, because I, well, things are
2: being... Do you know, that's, that's interesting, right, because we've had O'Gara followed by Sexton. Like, it's uncanny, it's incredible that one followed the other so closely and they have a certain temperament, similar temperament. You're saying they're both arseholes. Gordon's word, not mine, <laughs> in the best possible sense. Um, but they well, have a certain I, I, temperament, I, I, and I, I, and listen, I wonder.
1: Listen, I, I'm just about to get cancelled now, so please, <laughs> yeah. You two, that have. <laughs>
2: here. Listen, we've got our headline. We, we can wrap this up now if you want. No, we won't do that to you. Don't worry. But. I, I had wondered if, as an Irish rugby watching public, we had almost been seduced by this notion that the number ten has to be an arsehole of some kind, has to have a certain temperament. I know we look at Joey and we say, "Oh, it's a temperament problem." But it's really interesting that you you feel there because even Andrew Trimble said it. And I, I was half wondering: is this like almost old-fashioned type? I like are we are well, we like the jo- old it's, lads it's, sitting around the table in Moneyball it's, it's a, with that with not Brad an old Pitt? Yeah, go
1: on, expand. It's not an old-fashioned stereotype. Yeah. What it is is it's um, it's demanding more from players that are not delivering so yeah. um Roy just said the um uh sorry the uh you know Joey Carvey was fine it's not okay for him to be fine in a in a test match like that where everything it's a fulcrum position where everything runs through nine and ten you don't get to be fine uh in in matches like that where you where you start and the park was poor as well for large parts of it um and the team, there, there's a certain um, responsibility and a certain amount of expectation that comes with those positions, and it is very harsh for me to say that. But, on, but you do you you only get the credit when you take the uh, when you take the responsibility. So for him, you know, when it, all the games that go well, you also have to take the you've got you got to you got, got to step up and take the responsibility when it doesn't click, when it doesn't click. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how when when Ireland were playing. At what point do they go, oh, do you know what? We're going side. we're going backwards to go forwards. And they're actually coming forward and knocking seven colours out of us here. Maybe we need to shorten things up and we just need to to get over the game line. Two passes outside of the ruck, but we need to get there quicker. And we need to beat them around the corner. Who's thinking like that and who's driving and who's in that? I know who does it. Sexton. He does that. Um, I know Peter Romani will have a good feel for things but who was doing that on the pitch at the, at the weekend and that's the probably intangible piece that we're missing yeah. that we have when we have our first team guys come in, come together now I do think you can encourage you can develop that in players um, when you're looking at I'd say you know someone like Max Deegan was impressive when he came off the bench Caelan Dars but if you look at the players across the team who stood out they were the ones that you know understands this type of like Tyge was tide was good Treadwell was good as an individual, but didn't really get Tyburn like Tyburn was. I think absolute the second watching was exceptional at the weekend, like really excited. Like we would have really struggled had he not been as well. But Deegan did really well when he came on, and Crowley came into a warm seat and just upped the tempo a little bit, and that kind of changes and it puts a nice gloss on the outcome. But the like the underperformance as a collective is is massive.
2: It's really interesting to get that perspective. A final word on that issue at 10, Rory, and uh, the temperament question?
0: Yeah, it's interesting listening to Gordon. The one player I think who closest mirrors Johnny in terms of his on-field persona is Ross Byrne. Um, and you see sometimes during the Leinster warm up, if you get to the game early, you can hear him. Like he's really vocal, and he's not—he's not afraid to tell the players this what he expects. And I guess he's grown up under sex. He's probably the one who's worked under Sexton for the longest. Carbery did it for a while, um, but it, it does seem like a very different kind of character. Um, but they obviously don't think Andy Farrell doesn't trust Ross Burn at that level to run the game for him. And um, whereas Leinster do, and that's one of the critical. Um, Failures in the Irish system is that Leinster and Ireland view Ross Byrne so differently and I'm not saying that Ross Byrne is the answer because in fairness the times he has been given a chance which have been infrequent and kind of um you know, unfortunately, times sometimes like the World Cup warm-up in France or in London when he got thrown in after three days preparation to try and take on a rampant England team. I'm not saying he's the answer. And we don't know enough about Crowley yet because he's only played 18 times for, for Munster. But he looks like he has some of the elements. I mean, you see him sometimes hitting a, a ruck in the way that Sexton would. He's not afraid to get stuck in. But it's very early in his development and I'm not going to, you know, label heap more pressure on him. But... I think part of the problem is that you've you've you touched on it earlier. You know, Johnny Sexton emerged just as O'Gara was starting to come to the end. And it was this. It was an imperfect transition because they they were together for a while, and it, it was obviously tense and 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 all and all that went with that. But really, I mean, Carberry talked before the twenty nineteen World Cup. He spoke to the New Zealand Herald and said, "I want to take Johnny's jersey at the World Cup." We haven't seen that from him. We haven't seen him go out and dominate a season. You know, I think a lot of us still go back to that Gloucester game, which is yeah. three or four years ago now, uh, so January nineteen. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a long, long time ago. Was a reference point. Paris was good, um, but. I just think we have this issue that Sexton, when he's fit, is is so important, and it's going to be the issue until he retires. Because yeah, okay. you know, unless Crowley goes off and wins Europe, Munster a European Cup, which is looking unlikely at this stage, and takes Carbery's jersey at Munster, like that's it. he has to be ruthless and take Carbery's jersey at Munster if he wants to be the man. Because yeah. if Carbery starting for Munster, we're looking at the same pack in order for the next while. Yeah, well, we'll yeah, move. it's also certainly
1: relevant as well. It's it's not. This is not a unique problem in Ireland. It's pretty much across the across the world. Look at the, the different a different entity that um Scotland are when Finn Russell Finn Russell's place. You know, there isn't a ten in Scotland that can get close to him. But they don't want, they have a different problem. They don't they don't want to play him. Mm. Um and you look at England, England can't figure England can't figure out on, on, on where to play in the ten. Like it's such an important position. Um and where like where Ireland have you know have we we have been spoiled by him but we've also been uh, we're we're completely addicted and dependent on him Um, but you know at some point you're going to go if the the road is is going to run out Um, but like listen there will be a natural successor what will be interesting to see is when Crowley and Carberry are both fit back in Munster if he plays this weekend and has 20 minutes and continues a kind of a a similar thread impact that he had against because that would be um well, within the realms of possibilities, that you know, 15 20 minutes to go, he's got to see out a game. Who starts for Munster when both of these guys are fit now? Hmm. I
0: think it's still Carberry right now, but I think that picture is changing. I think the say it's the same with Murray and Casey as well. I mean, there's 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 a, like Munster season and the way it's gone is, is is forcing some of these decisions, and the coaching ticket do seem more open to making less conservative decisions than the than, than their predecessors. So that's got to be one to watch. All right, well, it was interesting.
2: Simon Easterby during the week was noting the fact that. Crowley's had an unusual path to playing for Ireland hasn't had much game time hasn't had months of brilliant performances where people have been calling for him but he said he's done enough he said to make us go wow this guy's got something yeah. which was quite a notable which line which they've done
0: with Jameson J- Gibson, Gibson Park They've upped, Ireland have changed the pecking order at Leinster with a number of players yeah. so, um, and Ulster as well Ciarán Treadwell is not really starting for Ulster where he's getting in for Ireland so Farrell's been very good in that way of picking out a guy that he likes and and the provinces generally follow through at the end
2: Can I um, do a stock take with you for a second, Rory? So, Alan Quinlan was on AM this morning Mm. and he said, based on the RDS, based on Fiji, certainly nobody's forced themselves into the Irish 15. Yeah. And yet it does seem behind that front line, there's been a real shuffling of the pack in various quarters. So, off the top of my head, just jotted down before you came in. Jimmy O'Brien, suddenly ahead of Lowry and Stockdale. Yeah. Stockdale didn't have a great night at the RDS either and and Lowry can say he's done nothing wrong, but Jimmy O'Brien's just... Had a great November. Yeah, you mentioned James Hume being uh, it's it's copper fastened where he is in the pecking order, as Max Deegan's stock has risen, Gavin Coombs has fallen. Yeah, we have Nick Timoney, Stuart McCluskey, who can feel very good about things. Uh, Lockman, Jeremy Lockman, Andy Farrell said his scrummaging has improved no end in the last six months. Uh, you mentioned Treadwell as well. So whilst the fifteen remains almost untouched, it's been significant
0: November, no? There's a lot of moving parts, and also Ireland's attack hasn't necessarily clicked over the course of the any of the games. Really, there was moments against South Africa, and and there's. I want to see them click on Saturday, or else maybe there's a bit of a trend there that other teams are maybe having a you know because they're they probably the most analysed team in the world rugby right now after what they did in the summer. So, this maybe has been an important window that that, if teams are figuring it out a little bit, then they need to adjust ahead of the Six Nations so there's no harm in that but when the Six Nations squad is picked I think yeah the the, the pecking order as we understood, understood it a lot in this year's Six Nations I think it will be very very different come the, come the spring and um, a couple of players like some like the Emerging Ireland Tour the A Games last summer the, uh, the RDS fixture that you, you referenced they've all been significant but it is a lot of moving parts below the surface the surface is remaining pretty solid and you we're know, only nine games from World Cup. That's that's a good thing. That that's core stability and cohesion. You know, and that the fact that the, the, the starting team plays very well together and is very hard to get into is not a is not a bad thing. You would like a couple of players to be really, really pushing and taking these opportunities and starring against Fiji. Timothy, I suppose, did get the two tries and did play quite well. But you're still saying Josh Vanderfears come into the team on Saturday. There's no real debate about that if he's fit. So there's a lot of moving moving parts beneath beneath the surface. But the surface is is pretty calm and pretty steady. And we know what we have going into into next year.
2: Yeah, that your read on it, Gordon?
1: Yeah, that's fairly good. I echo a lot of that. The, there is a bit of moving in and around, but the, a lot of players will go back and they will play. Well, for their provinces, and you expect Hume and Balakian to go home back to Ulster and probably rediscover um a, a little bit, a little bit of form. Balakian's probably banging his head off the off the table in this. He's played, got two games, and the ball has barely come to him. Had he played any of the previous ten matches, he probably he couldn't have played with more ball. Mm. Um, so sometimes the games just haven't haven't fallen for you. Um, I think there is. There is definitely a natural order picking up, and I wouldn't be surprised to see um one or two surprises on the bench this weekend um in that players because what's has been evident is when players do make the coaches sit up and have a little have a little have a little look that they have rewarded them. um Crowley has been you know has, has been fast tracked um off very little evidence and um, so they're obviously seeing something. I wouldn't be like you know a complete. Left, uh, left hook in there. I wouldn't be surprised to see if Deegan possibly gets uh, a shot in at the at, at the bench this weekend. Um, Deegan has been very good, and pretty much most games he's played, and he offers something of very different as an impact player off the off the bench. Um, so I wonder, will they start looking at those that you know that next layer down and trying to get them game time through the bench because. You know that's that's an easier way to get them and potentially a less risky way of getting them game time. Um, Casey, for argument's sake, he was he was lively when he came on, but you know like, Casey is potentially one of those guys who's in the bracket of has all the potential but doesn't have a great body of work to show for it just yet. He really needs to really needs to, you know, capitalize uh, Sorry, it's very. Te- it's not not meant to sound as Machiavellian as, as, as it is, but he needs to capitalise on Murray's uh, injury mm. and nail down the number one slot. And if he can't do that, then you've got to question, you know, is he is he that good? Uh,
2: just a last point. I, I know you've got to run off, Gordon. Uh, small sample size, It was half mentioned after the game at the RDS, um, but with the proviso that Ireland were beaten up up front. So you can't read too much into it either. And it was a scratch side and not Ireland's <laughs> first team. But there was a sense maybe that New Zealand had really as Rudd had referenced, looked at the tape from the summer and had found a few very significant ways to upset the Irish attack. Are you seeing any signs of that, be it the RDS or be it what Fiji tried to do or be it what South Africa tried to do, that there is a degree of, of Ireland being really looked at?
1: Um, yeah, well, it, the, what kept Fiji in the hunt and what really stifled Ireland's attack was just their one-off tackling. It was, it was pretty impressive, to be honest, and legal up until that uh, crackpot stuck his head into into Joey Carberry, um, the defence was was clearly beginning to creak. I suppose the, the question I would have, I would have posed uh, post that in game is if they had defended our mall, where were we going to score? And I don't think there was an answer for that. Right, and that's the bit was probably going. all oh, right, right, okay. Where do we, where do we go from here? And you know the ten minute blitz we had against South Africa. Um, got a tries worthy winners, but again, just that lingering doubt. And it's not to be a complete naysayer. Like we we beat a, we beat a really really big South African South African team that just basically pummeled us on the rope, and we counterpunched twice, got some tries, and won out. But if there was six or seven minutes left in that game, would you have who would you have backed to score next? We were kind of we were we were running on we were running on fumes at that stage, and they had picked two donkeys at halfbacks. Mm. So um, you know. We are the number one te- ranked team in the world, and te- teams are coming for us. Mm. Um, Australia are coming for us this weekend, and Australia were very, very good against France. And this is going to be this is this is going to be a really, really hard test match for Ireland to win this weekend.
2: Okay, uh, Well, that's kind of interesting. So we'll be looking out well, for the can. Irish attack. We can
1: not win it, though. Saturday. We just have to. Uh, we just have to play with double down on the uh, quick tempo. So if Ireland play, and they are able to able to get that uh, tempo game, they absolutely can win. But I just think it's, it is important to recognise, and like Rory alluded to it as well, that these guys are they're not a bad uh, Australian team, and they're coming in under the
2: radar. Okay, um, you've been very good with your time. There's always the danger here; you're just going to say a flat no, and that's never a great moment on the radio. But was there anything else about Ireland over the last week or so that struck you or that you wanted to mention?
1: Um, bum, 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 bum. Well, I, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think we kind of covered it, covered it. We covered, covered a fair, <laughs> fair bit there.
2: It was
0: inevitable um, that would happen. Would you go McCluskey yeah, or Aki I at the weekend, like, Gordon? Which would you go McCluskey or Aki at the weekend?
1: Um, I um, have a very strong sense it'll be Grundy.
0: Um, okay. okay. Interesting. That's a big very call.
2: Good. Uh, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks guys. Cheers. Good to see you. Bye, Joe. Gordon all Darcy right. with us there on the line. Our rugby and off the ball is with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team. For us, We're going to take a very short break. There are quite a few things I want to hit Rory O'Connor with after the break. Back in one sec.
0: Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with
2: Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.
0: Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball
2: with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, you're very welcome along. So uh, competition time. Rory O'Connor has stayed with us of the Irish Independent. Uh, thanks again to Gordon Darcy, who uh, came on late notice, gave up his time. The Autumn Nation series continues, obviously, Australia against Ireland on Saturday. We have pair tickets for the Australian game, as well as two Ireland jerseys, all with thanks to our rugby partner Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team, to get your name in the draw. Just Identify Tonight's Mystery Voice asked if he regrets spending the whole weekend watching Seasons 5 of The Crown instead of prepping for New Zealand next week.
1: I don't regret anything, mate. I don't regret anything. Why would I regret it?
2: To enter, text your answer along with your name to 53106, hashtag team of us. You've just uh, shown me your phone, which is breaking news, is it?
0: Yeah, so Johnny Sexton and Josh van der Fleer have been nominated for the World Rugby Men's uh, Player of the Year. Um, to be handed out next Sunday after the Australia game I believe there's a private jet or a a, a charter leaving Dublin and stopping off in several locations in Europe on their way to Monaco they're up against Lucanio Am and Antoine Dupont who's the reigning World Player of the Year I believe his red card this weekend might uh, do something to diminish his chances I would say Van der is going to get it Really, um, Andy Farrell was nominated for Coach of the Year earlier. Um, I would think Wayne Smith will get that on the back of winning the World Cup for for, for New Zealand um, on Saturday. And uh, Mark Hansen and Dan Sheehan were both nominated for Breakthrough Player of the Year. Terry Kennedy and uh, Emily Murphy Crow were nominated for the Sevens Players yeah. of the Year. They've they've a decent shout as well. They've they've had good years, but I I can't see I don't see Farrell winning. And I think Smith wins that. Yeah, Breakthrough Player maybe one of the Irish guys gets that and I think um, yeah I think Van der Fleer has got a real chance certainly talking to English colleagues I, I hadn't appreciated how um, they were the first one to plant a seed a couple of months ago when I was over there um, and they were all saying God yeah Van der Flier's going to get world player of the year this year and as Peter rightly pointed out in yesterday's Sunday time he's not even on a central contract is he not? No, no. He's on a Leinster contract. Yeah, there's 13 players in the central contract and Josh van der Fleer, the reigning rugby riders players and European Player of the Year and a nominee for the World Rugby Player of the Year is on a Leinster deal that he only signed last year. He's on a two-year Leinster deal. It's not, I don't think it's a bad Leinster deal, but it's he's yeah. not one of the, the, um, Chosen. the top boys, no? That is bizarre, isn't it? It's part of the way they they structure it, and and you know it it's part, they need to spread them around the provinces because really it gives Leinster an incredible financial advantage to have ten players off the books. If yeah. Essentially, they can go out and spend loads of money on a foreign player. Then, so that's why you know saying Murray o- Omani and Earls are getting monster ones when or sorry central contracts at Munster when maybe. You know, Gibson Park doesn't have one either, but he gets picked ahead of Murray, who does. So it's a bit of an uh, anachronism there, but it's, uh, it's a it's it's a quirk of the Irish system. But that is a big quirk. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. That's an incredible year though that would put him in such rarefied atmosphere so
2: he just joins Keith Wood and Sexton end of I mean O'Driscoll can definitely feel aggrieved at 09
0: in particular but that if is he, extraordinary if he gets it yeah I mean we got to caveat it um, but if you think look Luka- Anjo Am is missing at the moment so he's missing a kind of real window to impress the judges before
2: do you not think the votes um, are in at this stage no
0: I think they convene this week I think that they, they, they try and do it as late as possible okay. it's a committee yeah, if you've got Brian I think Brian's on the committee isn't he Brian? Just certainly Fiona Coughlin is that's one vote for Sexton um, yeah uh, <laughs> absolutely I would have thought as, as
2: amazing as van der Fleer is uh, Sexton I guess he missed a portion of the Six Nations but he's been remarkable
0: no, oh, he has. He's he's certainly like. I don't think the well the Grand Slam. Like I, I presume they're going to spread the love a little bit. It hasn't been one dominant team necessarily all year, sure. but Ireland have been really consistently excellent. And I think that's an Africa game. And like Manafir was in a match that day, wasn't he? Um, or was it Doris um, it was it was Fleer but I mean like you've been on Ro- a match back nearly Ro's every year you need to talk to someone Irish <laughs> about that um, back row Alan Quinlan gave back row Josh Van Donald Lennon's prone to doing it as well it is, it, they, do, they do show up well in the stats and in fairness like Van der Fleer has been consistently Sorry, brilliant all year I don't know why I'm
2: talking section up in Van der No which
0: Irish player should get world player of the year it's a good debate to have Yeah, I could be completely wrong and Am could get it in fairness he's been absolutely superb for South Africa this year I just DuPont I'm not sure. I think last year was so magic for him and to give it to the same player two years in a row would be a big, big thing. Maybe he's earned it. I don't know. Um, six Nations champions. Six, yeah, Grand Slam as well. First French Grand Slam in a long time. Tim Monaco. World Cup next year. But uh, it's going to be, yeah, I think, you know, it, I think um, Van der Friere would be a worthy recipient. Yeah, sorry, Sexton would as well. Sexton's had a magnificent year. To win it at 37. See, I just He has to be nominated at 37. 37. I, know, I know he probably thinks we're all obsessed with his age but what he's doing is, is phenomenal it's Impressive, really remarkable and that's even to go back to not to go hog it but like the fact that I think the closer we get to the World Cup the less concerned we are about his age because he's proven it he's able to do it at 37 you kind of, I know the NFL have, the quarterbacks have kind of dropped off recently but you know that you think he's probably going to be able to get there now that that concern is diminishing all the time it's going to be a once off incident that rules him out if yeah. it is anything at all
2: uh, we should it would be an interesting exercise to go back to this studio and the various people who were in across the week that Sexton publicly said I plan to be around for the next World Cup like there was scoffing
0: it was just, it was just like laughter I think I said he was going to retire after yeah. the next I think after that Fiji game in 2018 I said Sexton was going to retire at the World Cup in 2019 yeah. and I, I know I've been consistently wrong with Sexton over the years and yet you keep asking me back Indeed <laughs> See I am, uh,
2: well we'll see Is in even wrong? Days, just, like I, he, I would have. I would have thought there would be a degree of what he's doing is extraordinary the longevity almost like a rubber stamping of his greatness flowing the votes towards Sexton
0: but who knows it will be quite something I'm not sure he's been as dominant as he was in 18 but I mean the fact that he's got the nod for the nomination is big now whether the Irish vote is split I don't know how these things work necessarily but um, it's a great achievement and it's a a mark of both even if they don't win it it's uh, you know Farrell as well it's just a reminder we've been quite critical of, of Ireland today but it's from a very much a position of you know, we think they are one of the best teams in the world so it's disappointing when they slip. You know, yeah. it's not a, like we're in, it's an incredibly good place to be and it's kind of nipping, it's nipping around the edges of an incredibly strong organisation. Yeah.
2: On the Mac Hanson-Dansheen for Breakthrough Player of the Year, I do think it has to go to Capo Ozzo of yes. Italy. It's just too amazing. The two tries against Scotland on his debut, he sets up the match-winning try against Wales. Two brilliant tries in the win against Australia and I do remember vividly when he came on against Scotland the sense was this is an all-time low for Italy that someone this size and this young looking is in the team like we almost need to do a piece on the medical aspect the safety aspect of this guy playing and then he scored two tries Yeah. so I think he deservedly maybe Absolutely, is, is the breakthrough player
0: and I think like we've been we've known that Italy have had good young players over the last number of years they've had very good results on their 20s level there's been something building there beneath a very a crumbling facade and you know amidst the debate around kind of relegation and all those sort of things you're kind of going when is this going to actually materialise we know that they've got, and it took maybe I mean Garbisi has been a a big he didn't play on Saturday but he's been a big factor in it but maybe Capuzo just coming in and with that freshness and that fearlessness has just changed helped change that mindset and and they're on a very good run at the moment. Which they're, is
2: great for the Six Nations. Yeah, it is.
0: It is. Yes, it's, great it for Ruby. is. it's great for rugby. It's great for even for these automations games, like for for Italy and Italy, Australia. a much change Australia, but for it have to be a proper game when you're selling the package. You know, Amazon of all the games at the moment, they need all the games to be good. Even Fiji being pretty competitive against Ireland is 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 a, is a, a re, you know they didn't do it in a very pretty way apart from the two tries. It is the over the more good teams there are, it's a very simple thing. But the more good teams it means more more good games. The better the product. Um, yeah. So. Uh, it is it is grud. I mean, it makes this weekend very interesting because um, it puts the Australians firmly on the back foot. But it's uh, no, it's great. I'm not overly worried about the fortunes of Amazon,
2: I have to say, as they lay off 10,000 <laughs> people know, yeah. spend all this stupid money. Uh, France 30, South Africa 26 was... I know you didn't get to see this in full, but it was an amazing test match. Emphasis on that test match physicality, as you might imagine. Steph de Sent off early on by uh, driving his head into Dante, I think it was. And then DuPont tackled Colby in the air in the second half and he was sent off. You did think when South Africa first went down to 14, they were in big trouble. They just hung in and hung on and hung in. And then it was a really close run thing and France got over the line. I did find myself um, watching the game, remembering vividly the French counter rooking from Ireland's trip to Paris in the Six Nations. They are just awesome in that department. Even South Africa looked lightweight at times.
0: Well, I think they are one of the teams that can... South Africa, one of the reasons I think South Africa are finding another way and trying to play with a more expansive style is because I don't think they can beat France playing the way they play because they're one of the teams that have a strong enough scrum and big enough men to withstand everything South Africa can throw at them. I mean, Ireland showed that they can as well. Now, it took something pretty remarkable defensively, but France... Um more repeatable France have a the, the athletic profile. It's yeah. a word it's a phrase I, I you know, I don't like coming back to because it makes it sound quite scientific a sport, and I prefer sport to be more romantic. But I think sometimes the the cattle that you're able to put out onto the pitch and the size of men, one of whom is a South African second row in Valemsa, he just has the you know, he he has the size to be able to live in, in that company and they um you know, they have depth. They have a league that's, you know, by far and away the deepest in the in, in the world. They have change their rules so there's more French qualified players playing in it. They have full stadia, they have they're able to take a test match to Marseille and it looks even better than Paris, which has oh, been remarkable in the last while. There is something special happening um in French rugby at the moment and to withstand what South Africa threw at them in a physical, physical test match and and win real you know, they're a pragmatic team for all that they have wonderful oh, yeah. um attacking talent and can pull a game out of the bag like against Australia. Um, they're 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 quite. What do you mean? Australia? Ruthless. Their tries were more forward oriented. Mm, Australia yeah. going the length of the pitch. But know. they do have that. Afri- the similar to the South Africans, they have you know a wonderful back three and a you know, like a brilliant number nine who can just make something happen from nowhere as well when he's on the pitch. So they're uh, they're incredibly looking incredibly good. I know Ireland are world number one, and it's interesting. We were at I was at the Australian press conference today, and it's firmly the line from them is that Ireland are number one and they're the best team in the world. But France are not far off them, so it's. Um, that Six Nations game in Dublin is shaping up very, very nicely. I hope. I, I. I do. I don't want it to be repeated at the World Cup next year. I think you would take New Zealand over them at the moment if you get there. Yeah, yeah. And
2: we'll, with that in mind, we'll skirt by Scotland twenty-three, New Zealand thirty-one. Scotland had for led for a good portion of this game, and New Zealand eventually got their act together. But like it was error strewn. New Zealand. It was, there was nothing awesome about it.
0: No, not at all. And there were signs, there have been signs of life in New Zealand since um, the transition with the coaches and since their low points, although they keep throwing in a performance like this here and there. I mean, they, they were poor against Japan. They've lost to Argentina. Australia would have beaten them, but for, i, I, I on the side of Bernard Foley not kicking the ball out quick quickly enough. And they should have lost on Saturday. A better team than Scotland would have yeah. beaten them. And really, while Scotland, well, Scotland played very, very well, um, they they just they they tightened up and they, yeah. they did everything you're not supposed to do when you're 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 ahead against New Zealand. We'll come back to that. So I did
2: want to mention the World Cup final mm. because it was genuinely phenomenal, phenomenal, extraordinary game. So New Zealand are world champions again. They beat England 34-31 at Eden Park in front of forty-two and a half thousand screaming fans. England went into this World Cup on a thirty-game winning streak. They had hammered New Zealand twice last year in 2021 to the point that New Zealand introduced professionalism in early 22, brought in Wayne Smith to try and salvage the situation. As for the game itself, England were down to 14 from the 18th minute. Lydia Thompson a red for a high tackle and yet they still led for most of the game. They were down to 14. They were away from home. I dare say they feel if we were to play New Zealand ten times on neutral venue, we'd come out on top. But this is the magic of a World Cup: the best team don't always win. And then the scenes were extraordinary. So all told, this World Cup hasn't uh, pierced the, the the bandwagon consciousness of rugby fans in this country because Ireland aren't there.
0: Yeah, and the, to, and the kickoff time. And the so kickoff you know, time. It was on it was on ITV, um, which. So I have Sky, and I don't. I I have to go through extraordinary Paint. lengths to actually put on ITV. So it, it was being streamed on the World Rugby website, but that didn't help in terms of like the game was on or T on Saturday, and that helped. That you were able to just turn on your TV yeah. and and it was on. Um no, was just the bits say, that this, I've seen this, have been very one, good. This one might have grabbed the final might have grabbed. I did me. I, I yeah. was certainly from like you know I follow a lot of rugby people on social media. I I had watched some of the games, the kind of later games on a Saturday morning, across the kind of knockouts anyway, and they were very very good. But I wasn't seeing much about them beyond the English people I follow who are covering England um, but the final did and it just showed what potential is there for women's rugby um, when it's played well it's a it's, it's ridiculously good sport you get much higher ball in play time than you do in the men's game the tries that New Zealand scored were extraordinary um, England played incredibly well for with 14 uh, players for, for so long New Zealand probably should have finished the game with fourteen players as well. There was a very controversial. There was two very controversial decisions thrown into it all as well. And if Simon Middleton, their coach, was of the similar mind to Bradley Erasmus, he could compile a fairly um, impactful video of of all the things that the referees that Holly Davidson got wrong. And um, but it came down to that final line-out. and for New Zealand to throw up um, a jumper five meters from their own line in in, re, in the red in the red zone. Now England had a very dominant mall and if they caught the ball they probably would have either scored or got a penalty try, but it was an incredibly brave call. They they won it. They got the ball off the pitch and the place just erupted. And and I don't think they're the best team in the world, but that yeah. doesn't matter in a World it's Cup final, world you Cup. know. Yeah. Um it was a far more impressive World Cup win than their last World Cup win at Eden Park when the men kind of fell over the line against France. Um the tries they scored were just so worthy of winning a big game and mm. to see play a team play with such um it wasn't abandoned, it was it was intent, and it was accuracy, and it was uh, it was bravery, bravery. It was attacking bravery yeah. in in a final. I know they were playing against fourteen players, so they were trying to find the width, and um, they found it. And it was it was breathtaking. It was such a good game of rugby. Mm. Uh, clock is so against us here. We might come back in future weeks if it's okay
2: to Andy Friend's departure at Connacht and what it means for the province, but Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent. Many thanks. Great. We will leave you with uh, Black Fern's wing. You've probably seen this in social media, but if you haven't, uh, Ruby Tui. This is how you do an interview after you won a World Cup, uh, I think. And so in the end, uh, she realised she didn't want to talk as much to the interviewer. She just wanted to interact with the crowd. So she had come over from Rugby League, an Olympic gold medalist there, superstar, and uh, her interview with the interviewer and the crowd afterwards kind of caught the magic at the moment so we'll leave you with that How was it New Zealand? How was it?
1: I'm just so proud to be a New Zealander right now They said nobody cared about women's rugby but guess what?
2: We're out here we're going nowhere. New Zealand, can't you be here, How are you? for reals, o te o te tamaki Um, Thank you for letting us be here, have our presence here. They said we couldn't do it, Kirst, they said we wouldn't. We did it, and honestly, it took all of us. Anybody out there defended in England more before? It ain't easy on the last minute, baby. But we all did it together, New Zealand was a part of that. And I'm so proud to be here right now. Thank you so much, Ruby. Thank you for choosing this Black Ferns team over the Sevens this year. Thank you for everything you've done for this sport in this country. It wasn't easy making the decision. Got bloody shafted from Sevens, but here we are in 15s. New Zealand. <laughs>
0: Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With
2: Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the
0: team of us.